Top of the top episode 224 Stash House Podcast. Your boy Tyler checking in. First time listeners, thank y'all for tuning in. If you tune in weekly, salute. And there's just an episode, so some topics you may want to hear about. Salute to you as well. Podcast available on all podcast streaming platforms Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Subscribe, like, share, review. Anything you do to help support this podcast, I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Hope everyone had a safe week, a safe weekend, and likely to do the same this upcoming week as well. A lot to talk about this week in football, so let's get right on into it. First, let's start with a quick recap of the college football weekend. Of course, no other place for me to start than with my Ohio State Buckeyes. I said last week I would miss a majority, if not all, of game one against Indiana. I had a wedding to attend. Shout out to my bro, Rashawn. His beautiful bride, everything was beautiful. I enjoyed the celebration. So I missed most of the game. After the wedding, I hit the road heading back home. I caught the radio coverage around toward the end of the second quarter. By the time I got home, I was able to catch most of the fourth quarter. But I really can't give y'all an in-depth review of the game. But the majority of the news and the reactions I saw on Twitter from Buckeye Nation, everybody kind of had the same thought. First, we got the victory. That's number one. We got the victory over Indiana 23-3. But first, Kyle McCord got the starting position at quarterback. 20 for 33, 239 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. Devin Brown came in for a cup of coffee, one for three, negative two yards. Overall, first game jitters. I understand it. I wasn't surprised. But moving forward, we got Youngstown State. And we got Western Kentucky coming up the next two games before our big game against Notre Dame. I would like to see things getting tightened up at the quarterback position. If Kyle McCord is the guy, then of course he's going to get more reps. I saw a quote Ryan Day had, I guess, after the uh, the game at the news conference. He wanted more playing time for Devin Brown, but the game was so tight, he just didn't put him in enough. And in my opinion, this goes back to what I've been saying about Ryan Day. Sometimes you got to do things so just so I can see as a fan. Like, I get it. The game is tight. You're going with Kyle McCord. But, hey, just let Devin Brown get in the game and just see what he can do. Let's just see what he can do. And Kyle McCord, I mean, with this wide receiver core, like I said last week, I believe we got the best wide receiver core in the nation. But these numbers, man, ridiculous. Marvin Harrison Jr., two receptions, 18 yards. Ibuka, three receptions, 16 yards. Fleming, six receptions, 58 yards. Stover, five receptions, 98 yards. I understand it's just the first game of the season, new quarterback. I totally understand. But come on. Marvin Harrison Jr., only two catches, 18 yards. Come on. And he did try to air it out. I saw some highlights. He did try to air it out, get things going. Things just wasn't connecting. So I totally understand it. But these next two, next two games, Youngstown State, Western Kentucky, and McCord can't get it done, just put in Devin Brown just to see what he can do. Let's just see what he can do. And then going back to the running game, they couldn't get going. Chip, eight carries, 57 yards. I saw a lot of people very, very high on Chip. I talked about him last year. So we'll see moving forward if he gets more reps. Trevion Henderson, 12 carries, 47 yards. Mayan Williams, seven carries, 25 yards, two touchdowns. All in all, 
Very, very much so. First game shakes for Ohio State Buckeyes offense with their new quarterback. Play calling, heart line, Ryan Day. They got to get better at that. And once again, that goes to quarterback chemistry as well, in my opinion. This Saturday against Youngstown State, we can begin to tighten up things on offense. Like I said, if you want to do a two-quarterback system or see, like I said, just see what Devin Brown can do. But Kyle McCord, I'm not mad at the first game. It is the first game, so no reason to push the panic button just yet. But let's just see how it goes. Defense did a tremendous job against Indiana, so I look forward to them tightening up things as well. All signs point to September 23rd going up against Notre Dame. That's my whole aspect right now. We should be able to beat Youngstown State in Western Kentucky. Next up, college football. Got to show some love to my alumni at the school that did give me a degree. Troy University picked up the victory over Austin State, 48-30. to Looking forward to see what the Trojans do this year. So shout out to my alumni, Troy University. But the biggest news, the biggest news in my opinion over the weekend in college football Colorado with the win over TCU, 45-42. If you've been under a rock, it is a new era at Colorado with the hiring of Deion Sanders from Jackson State. Man, so much news about that over the year so far. Me personally, y'all know I stayed out of it because it's HBCU business. I went to Troy University, a PWI, Sunbelt Conference. So I saw a lot of people on my Facebook timeline, especially talking about this Deion Sanders leaving the HBCU system, going into the Power Five and all that. I stayed away from it. I just looked at it as a simple coaching move. I mean, we know how the game go. If you offer more money, nine times out of ten, the coach is going to leave. Colorado only won one game last year. Deion Sanders, his first meeting with the team, said a lot of y'all not going to be here because I'm bringing in my own people. I got my son at quarterback. I have another son on the defensive side of the ball. We got the number one recruit, Travis Hunter. Hey, we got my people coming with me, so a lot of y'all not going to be here. And before the game started, they showed a chart of the students from Colorado who's no longer there. I want to say 98% of Colorado team is transfer students. And he got the job done against TCU. Before I left to go to the wedding, I was watching college game day. And the way Lee Corso was just his – his demeanor against Colorado anytime they brought up Colorado or Deion Sanders, just his demeanor. I didn't take it as um, – we knew what it was. That's all I'm going to say. We knew what that was. So, I was happy to see Deion Sanders in Colorado get this first win over TCU. TCU, a team who did make it to the national championship game last year. I know a lot of people want to minimize that because of the way they got beat by Georgia, but we got to keep it 100. It's in the record book. They did make it to the national championship game. So, instead of criticizing so much, I would love for us just to congratulate. And congratulating is not jumping on the bandwagon. We just congratulate somebody. I don't understand the criticism that was going on, like, oh, now y'all Colorado fans. It's like, no, fam, we congratulating, bro. It was an exciting game. It's going to be must-see must TV for the rest of the season, by the way. So, just congratulating his son, Shadur Sanders, an amazing game, 38 for 47, 510 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Four receivers with over 100 yards, Dylan Edwards, Travis Hunter, like I said, played double duty as well and also had an interception. I want to say the stat was Travis Hunter played over 120 snaps. I'm not sure how long that's going to go for the rest of the season, but for game one against TCU, hey, you got to salute him on that. Also, 
Xavier Weaver and Jimmy Horn Jr. also had 100 yards receiving. Of course, the defense needs some work. I mean, obviously, they gave up 42 points. But, man, overall, with this Colorado victory, I believe it's going to be must-see TV. They have Nebraska this upcoming uh, weekend. Couple weeks to have Oregon, then USC back to back. So yes, it's only week one. I totally understand that. But instead of criticizing people, just just congratulate. Let's congratulate. And it really put a sour taste in my mouth when I was watching College Game Day. Anytime they brought up Colorado, anytime they brought up Deion Sanders, the way Lee Corso demeanor just changed. I didn't like it, but we know what it is. You know what I'm saying? That's all I'm gonna say about that. We know what that is. But Deion Sanders. 98% of those students, 98%. Think about it, 98%. This was their first time playing a full game together as transfer students. You got to salute. And Shadur Sanders, man, what a hell of a first game. Over 500 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Travis Hunter played an amazing game on both sides of the ball. Hey, I'm looking forward to seeing what Colorado does this season. I'm positive. They're going to have a lot more televised games, especially after this week one game against TCU. So, shout out to Colorado. Shout out to my Buckeyes getting the victory over Indiana. Shout out to my alumni, Troy University, also getting the victory this past weekend. Alabama got a victory. Georgia got the victory. Auburn got the victory. Of course, there was the first week most of the big dogs came out to play. But this upcoming weekend, I want to say the top game is um, Alabama versus Texas. But September 23rd, a lot of lot of uh, primetime, high-ranked, top-ranked teams will face each other. So September 23rd is definitely circled on my calendar in terms of college football. Now let's take a look at the NFL season. NFL season kickoff this Thursday with the defending champs, Kansas City Chiefs, going up against the Detroit Lions. Y'all know I do not have an NFL team. My fandom is simply based on my fantasy football lineup for the week and whoever I got money on. So no bias here. It's just simply what teams I'm looking forward to watching the most and who I think is going to have some accomplishments this upcoming season as well. It's just simply my opinions. I'm doing AFC and NFC, about five teams from each conference. I'm not going to hold y'all too long right here. First, of course, defending champs and probably the favorite to win again, the Kansas City Chiefs, kind of hard to go against Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and those guys. First, I want to give a shout-out to Justin Ross. He's from Phoenix City around these parts. He went to Clemson, had a huge game against Alabama, that national championship game some years ago. He had suffered a career-possible career-ending injury, but he's made the roster for the Kansas City Chiefs. So it's good to see that I've been seeing people on Facebook keep sharing articles and practice videos, preseason games of Justin Ross, and it's just great. I remember when his injury happened, it was, a, I think, a spine injury or something like that. I believe it was a spinal injury. Definitely a career-ending injury, but he's shaking back from that. So it's great to see his story, and Patrick Mahomes seems to really, really enjoy having him as a receiver. So we look forward to seeing Justin Ross this upcoming season playing for the Kansas City Chiefs. But like I said, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, kind of hard to go against those guys. But on defense, Chris Jones, this holdout he's doing in terms of contract, probably one, if not the best defensive tackle in the league right now. But at the moment, the way his contract is set up, he's like the ninth highest paid 
defensive tackle in the league, so we know how that goes. Hey, I feel like I get the, I need the money that I'm owed. I feel like I need the money that I deserve, and it's hard to go against that. It's hard to go against. There's only certain players that's going to take less for their team to really allow and get more players, but Chris Jones, he's holding out. Travis Kelsey on his podcast, damn near pleading for Chris Jones to come back because they know in terms of on the defensive side of the ball, Chris Jones is the anchor for that defense, and they might just need him so they can repeat. It is hard to go against the Kansas City Chiefs, but with this Chris Jones situation in terms of the defensive side of the ball, interested to see how it goes this season. Also in the AOC, I'm going with the Chargers. I'm going with the Chargers, man. I like Justin Herbert, uh, Austin Eckler as well. Justin Herbert threw for over 4,700 yards last season, plus 50 touchdowns. Eckler looks to achieve over 1,000 yards rushing this season as well. I'm not sure about the defensive side of the ball, but I like Justin Herbert. I think they should have won that game, of course, in the playoffs last year against Jacksonville. But I think the Chargers are going to rebound this year and somehow, some way, find a way into the playoffs. Cleveland Browns, first full season with Deshaun Watson, at quarterback. Looking forward to see what he can do. Nick Chubb at running back. Wide receiver core, they got Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, Peoples-Jones as well. So with Deshaun Watson, all the drama he had going on these past few years, his first full season at quarterback at Cleveland, I feel like he's going to have a lot of success this season. Of course, AFC again, Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson, that contract drama is over with. We can look forward now seeing him play. J.K. Dobbins, of course, my guy from Ohio State. I hope he can stay healthy this season. And, of course, addition of OBJ at right receiver. I'm looking to see if uh, Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar Jackson may get, I'm going to say Lamar Jackson numbers, 1,000 yards rushing and maybe 3,200 yards passing. I think that's what Lamar Jackson is going to do this year if he can stay healthy. So looking forward to see what Baltimore do this season. And hopefully OBJ can stay healthy and give us some glimpse of vintage OBJ as well. Cincinnati Bengals, they had a quick scare over the offseason at training camp with Joe Burrow suffering an injury. Seems like he's going to be good moving forward. Of course, his wide receiver core is tremendous. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. I believe the defense will play a lot better as well. Cincinnati, one of those teams I'm looking to see if they can get over that playoff hump. Of course, they made the Super Bowl a couple years ago, but this team led by Joe Burrow, a lot, a lot of – um. High expectations, I would say, this upcoming season. Let's see if they can get over that playoff hump. Speaking of getting over the playoff hump, I told y'all last year at the playoffs, when the Buffalo Bills lost, I was off the bandwagon. I've been on the Buffalo Bills bandwagon for a couple years now in terms of I think they could win the Super Bowl. But after last year, I'm just taking my hat out. I'm taking my hat out the race. Like, Buffalo, I think they're going to make the playoffs. Of course, with uh, Stefan Diggs, that drama going on, I think he's going to be key if they can su- uh, succeed because it's rumors that he's looking for a trade. So, Stefan Diggs, depending on how he come out and play, I think that's going to really uh, complement how their season is going to go. You know what I'm saying? Of course, Josh Allen, we can't forget Josh Allen did make the Madden cover, and we know it can come with the Madden cover as well. But all in all, I'm taking my head out the Buffalo Bills race. In terms of winning the Super Bowl this year, I've been on it for the past two, three years. They always fall short. Now you got the Stephon Diaz drama going on. Hey, my hat is out the race, but I do think they will make the playoffs. 
And, of course, the big news over the offseason, I was saying the NFL, Aaron Rodgers going to the New York Jets. Of course, he got my guy from Ohio State, Garrett Wilson, that wide receiver. He seems to be the number one receiver on the team right now. And, of course, that was the main reason why Aaron Rodgers, plus other things, why Aaron Rodgers left the Green Bay Packers. He just felt like he didn't have a solid wide receiver group. So, I'm looking forward to see how him and Garrett Wilson show up this year. Of course, he got Randall Cobb as well, but – Garrett Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, I'm looking forward to see what they do. The Jets' defense, though, seems to be solid. The Jets' defense seems to be solid. And I'm not jumping on the wagon of, oh, Super Bowl or bust. Of course, Aaron Rodgers may think that, but I'm not looking at the New York Jets to be a Super Bowl winning team this year. I just never – I didn't agree with it. I understand the hype. You know, he finally leaving Green Bay, going to the Jets. I understand the hype, but I'm not jumping on that bandwagon of – Super Bowl or bust, me personally. Going over to the NFC, Philadelphia Eagles, probably the favorite to win the NFC. I would not be surprised if we have a Super Bowl rematch between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are just stacked on both sides of the ball. Of course, led by Jalen Hurts, who just got that big contract. A.J. Brown, that receiver. Devontae Smith, that receiver. Man, the tight end, Dallas, of course. The defense is loaded. We talked about that during the draft and the trades they made. It's a lot of UGA players over there on the defensive side of the ball. It's kind of hard not to see the Philadelphia Eagles be on top of the NFC this year, so we'll see how that goes. And staying with the NFC East, I mean, honestly, in terms of the NFC, outside of Philadelphia, I don't think the Cowboys are Super Bowl contenders, but I think they will make some noise. Of course, they got Trey Lance a couple weeks ago. I'm not sure he's going to get much playing time, but I do think, if anything, it should put a damn fire under Dak Prescott. They got rid of my guy, Ezekiel Elliott. He's with the Patriots now, so I really don't have no type of connection now to the Dallas Cowboys. So, with these morning sports shows, Dallas Cowboys may be A or B blocks, so just get ready whether they win or lose, they get hear about the Dallas Cowboys. New York Giants, I'm looking forward to see what Daniel Jones do this year, Saquon Barkley and everything. Um, who else from the NFC? Those was really the only three teams. Of course, the Falcons, that's around these parts. I'm going to see what the Falcons can do, the Saints, the Buccaneers, um, Panthers, of course. Of course, my guy C.J. Stroud out in Houston, I'm looking forward to seeing. Um I want to see what Miami does. You know, Tua, stay healthy. They got my guy Cheetah, Tyreek Hill, of course, Jalen Waddle. Uh, There's a lot of things I'm looking forward to, but in terms of teams who I have my eye on, Kansas City Chiefs, Cincinnati Bengals, Buffalo Bills, New York Jets, Philadelphia Eagles, Cowboys, Giants, Cleveland Browns, Chargers, Baltimore Ravens. And y'all know, like I said, my fandom is simply based on who I'm betting on that weekend in my fantasy football lineup. I do not have any allegiance to an NFL team. So, depending on what's on my television, I'm going to Twin Peaks a couple Sundays, check out some games as well. But all in all, I'm excited that the NFL season is back. I'm excited that college football season is back as well. Favorite time of the year. Saturdays, Ohio State, you know what I'm saying, Top 10 matchups, top 20 matchups, NFL games. I'm just excited. One of my favorite times of the year. And to wrap up this episode, some wrestling news. AEW, CM Punk 
We back here once again. Every time AEW has like a huge achievement, a huge milestone, it's always some BS to overshadow that, and I just don't understand it. It's like they always step on their own dope. Like, I don't get it. So we back here again. CM Punk has been terminated from AEW. The news was a couple weeks ago at the very historical all-in pay-per-view, he had an incident with Jack Perry, Jungle Boy, and I don't know where they beef started from, but it's been going on for the past couple weeks, couple months, I'll say. And what I don't understand is, Tony Khan, you got to be the authority. You are the authority, so act like it. The whole point of the Collision Show was to have CM Punk back because that's really why they gave you the money for the Collision Show was for CM Punk. Let's keep it 100 on that part. So you keep CM Punk away from the elite, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. That's the whole purpose of you having the Collision Show with CM Punk is to keep him away from the other guys on the roster that he don't get along with, that he had the media uh, scuffle with a few months ago. That's the whole purpose of the show. So why at All In, for one, you got Jack Perry, him and CM Punk been having issues. You got Jack Perry match. After Jack Perry match, you got CM Punk. So, of course, they're going to cross paths backstage. And that's another thing. Hey, if you know you got these two guys on the card back-to-back, they don't get along with each other, keep them away from each other. But Jack Perry did something during the match where he took shots at CM Punk, uh, talking to the camera. So, of course, CM Punk, he moving around like he Tupac in Las Vegas backstage. So, you know he's going to be looking for him. You keep him away from any possible interaction with Jack Perry because you know CM Punk is looking for him. And I think Jack Perry should have some accountability as well, taking that shot on camera. Like, you know how CM Punk operates, so it's both sides should be held accountable in that situation. But even outside of that, after CM Punk match, you got the Young Bucks match, if I'm not mistaken. So they could have possibly had some interactions, but they didn't. So the word is, it was numerous stories that, uh, Miro got involved and all uh, Samoa Joe and I saw all type of different news. I don't know which was true and which not, but I know for a fact Jack Perry and CM Punk got into it. Then they said CM Punk lunched at T- uh, Tony Khan. It was like, this the worst place ever. I don't want to be here no more and all that hoopla. So Tony Khan terminated his contract. The same weekend, AEW <laughs> had collision, if I'm not mistaken. And they had their all-out event Sunday night in Chicago, CM Punk hometown. I saw video of Collision before they went on air. Tony Khan went out and talked to the uh, the crowd about CM Punk being terminated in front of CM Punk hometown crowd. They booing this man out the building, and I'm positive at all-out they're going to just take over the show, which might make for an incredible show too, by the way. I mean, a wrestling show is only good as the crowd. So I'm positive they're going to – do a hostile takeover of All Out as well because they in Chicago. So, overall, man, I believe Tony Khan has done a horrible job at just being the simple authority at AEW because we know how CM Punk operate. We know it. Like, back then when he did the pipe bomb and everything going on with Triple H and John Cena back then in WWE, we can, I can only speak for me. I can see both sides of those arguments. Like I said, every time CM Punk – get into a situation, people post a video of Triple H and him having that promo from back in the day. And even back then, I saw both sides of it. But now, CM Punk, we know what kind of guy he can be back, uh, backstage and how he operates. But AEW, man, it just – I believe you got to be like John Moxley and Chris Jericho. If you're going to be the OG in the locker room, you just need to be the OG that's quiet. Like, handle things in a certain way because – 
We see how Jack Perry can re, uh, respond to things. We know how the young buck and Kenny Omega can respond to things. They're a little bit sensitive. So when you come with the attitude and the personality of CM Punk, it might be a little bit too much for them to handle, in my opinion. But Tony Khan, overall, Tony Khan just needs to be the authority, man. I'm not mad at this decision, but at the same time, they did give you millions of dollars for collision for the sole purpose of bringing CM Punk back. I've been seeing a lot of people saying, yo, what if it's a work, a way to, you know what I'm saying, get the crowd involved and not knowing, being that unpredictable type of wrestling company. I'm not sure, but it's for a fact you receive millions of dollars for CM Punk to come back. So I'm interested to see how things moving forward. I'm positive they're going to take shots at CM Punk, but, I mean, like I said, CM Punk does move around like Tupac in 96, so they better be very careful about how they want to, excuse me, take shots. And I don't think they should. Like, just get over to CM Punk. We had it last year toward the end of last year and everything. Like, just get, just wipe your hands with it. That's the best thing you can do moving forward. Just wipe your hands with this CM Punk situation. Me personally, when CM Punk came back, it, it was obvious that he didn't rock with most of the roster outside of probably FTR. So we'll see how things are uh, moving forward. Um, AEW just, like I said, they all just shoot themselves in the foot, man. You had this historical event in London at All In. Everybody was just happy for you uh, at Wembley Stadium. And just for y'all to shoot yourselves in the foot with just commotion backstage and y'all know the dirt sheets they pick up on all that they got people back there reporting news to them so as soon as that happened while the event was still going on they're like yo we heard CM Punk and Jack Perry got into it after Jack Perry match and all that so man what a way to overshadow your accomplishments with just bullshit it's like come on man so CM Punk terminated from AEW it is what it is AEW just gotta find a way to get on a good Run. It's like every time they start a good run, something happened. So we'll see how that goes. Also, I caught the WWE payback event. I had little to no expectations for this event, too, by the way. But overall, it's a very entertaining event. The low points, I'll say, was Real Ripley, Raquel Rodriguez. I've been talking about that for a while. Like, that should be the match for Rhea. Overall, very boring match. I expected way more from that. But Rhea retained. Judgment Day overall, they now have all the gold. Damian Priest and Finn Balor defeated Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens for the tag titles. L.A. Knight got the huge, huge co-sign from John Cena after his match with The Miz. So, looking forward to see what they do with L.A. Knight. Uh, what else? Another low point, Rey Mysterio, Austin Theory. I just feel like it should have been Escobar versus Theory. I don't know why they did the whole have Escobar get hurt, Rey Mysterio replace him in the match. I don't get it. And people are saying, yo, it takes the veterans to uplift the younger guys. It's like, no, you can have two young guys and just have them put on a great match, and that put both of them over. Like, you don't need the vet to do that all the time. So, I didn't really care for that match too much. The shocker of the night for me was easily the Becky Lynch-Trish Stratus match. Uh, that feud has been trashed for months, but the cage match they had – was a great match, and it was the opener of the event, too. So I was very impressed with the Becky Lynch, Trish Stratus, Steel Cage match. 
Um, the Damian Priest, Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn match was very entertaining. It's a street fight. Kevin Owens did the Jeff Hardy, Swanton Bond, like Jeff did at Royal Rumble 2000. That was great to see as well. Shinsuke Nakamura and Seth Rollins match was very underwhelming, in my opinion. I expected way more in that match. Seth Rollins did win. I want to see moving forward, would they still have the storyline of Seth Rollins back? I don't know if I've been under a rock. I know certainly within the past year, I haven't heard during Seth Rollins' match, oh, his back, his back. But that was the main thing with this storyline, Shinsuke Nakamura targeting his back, Seth Rollins' back that can flare up at times. It was my first time hearing about it, but moving forward, I wonder if that's going to play a role in other uh, Seth Rollins storylines. Jay Uso is now on Raw. I didn't, I didn't get it, honestly. And I know a lot of people are really scratching their head now at the Bloodline storyline, but we'll see how it goes moving forward. With me having little to no expectations for this event, I was very, very satisfied. Like I said before, my high points was the Becky Lynch-Trish Stratus match, the Sami Zayn-Kevin Owens versus Finn Balor, Damian Priest tag team match. That was very, very entertaining. Low points. Maybe the main event, Seth Rollins, Nakamura. Rhea Ripley versus Raquel, definitely a low point for me. And the Austin Theory, Rey Mysterio match, another another low point. But overall, it was very, very entertaining. It was very entertaining. I highly recommend if you haven't already, check that out. So this has been episode 224, Stash House Podcast. Make sure you guys go out, have a great work week, a great school week. Stay hydrated, be aware of your surroundings. Keep me in your prayers. I do the same for y'all. Salute. Thank you.